Nintendo Week is brought to you by Pokemart. Shop your way. And welcome to Nintendo Week for the end of week of some range of dates. <laughs> Things got weird in the past few weeks, but we're kind of back to normal now and with a few changes. Um, I'm your host, Colin McIsaac, and as always, I'm joined by Alex Plant. Hey. And Ben Lamoureux. The one and only. As you know, we're trying to figure out the best way to keep our show going moving forward, and the two main options that we had were to make it a shorter show each week or to run it every other week. Uh, we ran a poll in the Nintendo Week Facebook group, and overwhelmingly, you guys voted to have 30-minute-ish episodes every week instead of having 60 minutes like we used to, but uh, every two weeks. So that's what we're going to do. This week, we've got some of your favorite segments as we're going to hit up the news block, Fortune Street, the Gossip Stone, and the Lightning Round. Tons of news has been happening lately, including a live-action Pokemon movie, new Sun and Moon info, Metroid, Zelda, Sonic, Animal Crossing, new IPs, and for once, some real NX news. So that's what's in store for this week's show. And with that said, let's hit the news block. The success of Pokemon Go reignited Hollywood's recent interest in making a live-action Pokemon movie. And Legendary Entertainment not only scored the rights, but they're working on a live-action adaptation of The Great Detective Pikachu. Wow. Yeah, raise your hand if you saw that one coming. I don't think anyone can see. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there are no hands on this podcast. Listeners, raise your hands. Look like an idiot in public. They're gonna get Danny DeVito for this, right? Like, that's... That's just got to happen. They've got to get Danny DeVito. I hope so. I don't think it's going to yeah. happen. No. But Legendary. You know what to do. They've got the so connections. This was super surprising to me, and I think it could actually be you know, really successful. I think it's kind of an interesting concept, and Pikachu is such a popular character, obviously, mm-hmm. and especially with the success of Pokemon Go. But I still yeah. feel like they're kind of missing an opportunity just based on how extremely successful that live-action Super Bowl commercial was. And I think there are a lot of people that would just love to see a more traditional Pokemon story done as a live-action movie. So I'm excited for this, but I, you know, the sort of... Uh, strategist in me is like, man, it feels like they're leaving a lot of money on the table by going with this instead of a, a more a, a more normal Pokemon story. Well, Detective Pikachu is not a big story, right? And actually, funny enough, I think we mentioned a Detective Pikachu movie on the podcast when we were talking about the Hollywood rumors, so oh, yeah. <laughs> score another for us, I guess. Um, if that's right. Uh, but it's not really a very big story, and so I imagine they'll be able to fluff it up with a lot of ba- Pokemon battles, some, like, trainers catching Pokemon, stuff like that that you'd expect in the Pokemon universe that you would normally expect to find in a story about, like, Red versus Gary or something like that, you know, the, mm-hmm. the Kanto journey. Um, but that said, I think that Detective Pikachu, yeah, is the best choice that they've got, at least for now, because really nailing that sort of Pokemon journey, the you know, exploring the region or whatever you would want it to be. There are so many different fans who came in in so many different generations. There are so many people in the public eye who, you know, Pokemon means different things to different people. Like, for example, there are a ton of people now to whom Pokemon means collecting the monsters and finding them all in your own public streets uh, and not exploring any RPG regions at all. So. Right. I think Detective Pikachu is a way to explore the Pokemon universe in a way that isn't really confined by other people's preset expectations. Um, So in that way, they don't have to manage figuring out what Pokemon is to 
everybody who knows Pokemon all at the same time, because that's going to be impossible in one movie. I personally like the idea that it won't really resemble the adventure aspects at all, because that gives them a chance to focus on other stuff that doesn't get focused on very much in the games or even in the cartoons, which is, you know, for example, uh, if it's Detective Pikachu, then why not investigate Team Rocket? Or, oh, you know, maybe they invent some other team, but Team Rocket would be the obvious choice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because we haven't really gotten a chance to really dig into Team Rocket in a sort of deep, like, feature film sort of fashion up, up to this point, even in the games. Right. Uh, and, you know, Team Rocket is something that everyone knows and loves from Pokemon. Um, I don't think inventing a new team would be a very good idea because, you know, then that's no, just no, one, no nostalgia one more detachment from what people yeah. already know and love. Yeah, for sure. So Darkrai is coming to Pokken Tournament, which seems to confirm the recent leak that Darkrai, Caesar, and Empoleon will be playable as DLC. Darkrai hits the arcade versions of the game on July 20th, but his Wii U appearance hasn't been officially announced yet. You can check out screenshots and footage of Darkrai over at Gamnesia if you want to see how he looks and plays. It's very cool. I will reiterate what I've said in past podcasts and say I have no feelings about Pokemon Tournament DLC unless Rotom is one of the characters. Mm, Rotom. <laughs> I do really like Caesar though, but yeah, Rotom is Bay. Yeah, I definitely can't wait to see Caesar. Uh... There are two new trailers for Pokemon Sun and Moon. The first revealed some new gameplay footage showing off Alola, some new features, and apparently the lack of new evolutions. The second Ooh. revealed four new Pokemon, as well as the English name for the fighting red panda, who is now known as Beware. Awesome uh, name. <laughs> anyone who deeply cares about the rundown of Pokemon has probably seen this before, because this was uh, you know, on the earlier end of the week that we didn't have the news block uh, last week. So... You know, we'll spare, we will spare the details, but uh, you can check those out at Gymnasia.com if you are interested. The Pokemon Company also announced that you can host your own competitions through Pokemon Global Link, although it doesn't really explain what your own competitions means. Um, they just sort of say, hey, you can hold your own. Um, I'm guessing, like, battles with friends or, like, local sort of tournaments type stuff. Um, but then there's also a new hyper training mode like X and Y's super training that lets you improve your Pokemon's IVs instead of EVs, which I'm sure is music to your ears, Ben. Yeah, that's absolutely awesome. And I really like the way they uh, incorporated it. Because for people who don't know, quick rundown, all of your Pokemon stats have an internal value or IV of 0 to 31. So if you get a Pokemon that has crappy internal values, then even if you level it all the way up to 100, its stats are still kind of going to suck. So with this, after you've leveled them all the way up to 100, you can then go in and change those IVs and let them hit their max potential instead of being capped at, you know, what, what their IVs were when you caught them. So, uh, you know, I like that it allows you to more easily get the, the IVs you want without doing all kinds of stupid breeding and hatching and so on and so forth. But at the same time, you can't do it until you're level 100. You can't go out and catch a Pidgey oh, on true? Route 1 and yeah. just instantly yeah. buff all his stats. So it's like, if you put in the effort to take, you know, your beloved Charmander and get him all the way up to a level 100, then the game lets you perfect his stats, which I think is really cool and a really nice reward for the people that take their Pokemon and train them all the way. Hmm. Interesting. I didn't know that it was only after you've leveled them up to 100 that you could do it. I feel like it should be more like 75 or something like that, just because, I don't know, once you get a really high-leveled Pokemon, I feel like there's not as much incentive to keep going to 100, because that's a lot of grinding. Honestly, I, w I would have implemented it after you beat the champion and, and have that be the, the gate. But Like maybe yeah. if the Pokemon is entered in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, there you go. That's a good way. Yeah. 
Cool. We solved it. <laughs> next next time. <laughs> next time. <laughs> Animal Crossing New Leaf got a big update out of nowhere, bringing amiibo compatibility into the game. Scanning cards from the Happy Home Designer series will prompt that character to move into your village. We don't know what else is in store, but they teased that amiibo figurines will work in the game, and they showed off some Splatoon-themed furniture and clothing alongside two squirrels dressed like the squid sisters. That's a mouthful. Uh, so there are two prongs to this story. There is, uh, first, is what all these new features will be, and the second is why update this game four years later. You know, is it about selling an amiibo? Is it about giving New Leaf new life? Or, you know, maybe does it have something to do with the mobile game? I'm gonna go with answers A and C. Yeah? yeah. I uh, am not so sure about C. Well, if it's C, then B would also be in there, because if that's the game that ties into the mobile game, they're going to want people playing New Leaf. Yeah, that's that's true in a way, I suppose. I just don't know how much more money you're going to get out of New Leaf, I guess. But uh, just the timing of it, they said this is going to come sometime in the fall, and that's also when the Animal Crossing mobile game is supposed to come out. So it's hard for me not to think there's a connection there. Mm-hmm. And then on the, the topic of Amiibo, Nintendo's sales report that they released today, or yesterday if you're listening to this, uh, it noted that they only sold 3 million total Amiibo figurines and cards combined last quarter. And the, the quarter before that, they sold like 11 million. So Amiibo sales are way down, and I, you know I think they're looking for whatever way they can to sort of stimulate that and get people interested in Amiibo again. Well, the problem there is that the Animal Crossing Amiibo are Animal Crossing Amiibo. They're not going to stimulate sales. Yeah, well, yeah that's but, I mean, kind they, of they, They've said that it'll be, they've at least heavily implied that it'll be compatible with other Amiibo as well, like the Splatoon ones or other franchises. Oh, yes, yes. They'll have to keep making them, though. I mean, all yeah. the stores I've seen are still, you know, totally drowned out by Animal Crossing Amiibo. It's hard to find any of the characters that, you know, past sales data shows that people were actually buying, like Link mm-hmm. and Mega Man and... So that's kind of where my brain was going. They've got so many Animal Crossing Amiibo sitting on store shelves that they really need a game that people actually like own <laughs> to push Amiibo. Because uh, Happy Home Designer did okay, but nowhere. It didn't even come close to touching New Leaf. Um, and I think it might feed into the mobile game, but I don't think it will directly. Uh, I think they may plan to leverage Amiibo in some way for the mobile game as well. And so anything they can do to push Amiibo animal crossing amiibo sales uh is good yeah that's definitely mm-hmm. a possibility i noticed you didn't even mention amiibo festival at all <laughs> what 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 game i don't know what, what you're talking game? about um well so i think i think part of the problem there is that they are thinking of the gimmicks before they're thinking of the games they are just saying hey how can we use amiibo to make an animal crossing game and you know oh we'll put out a set of 300 cards and people can put the different villagers in and make houses for different villagers uh amiibo festival came out of this idea where we're going to make a board game about playable characters that you scan into the game i mean i i I really don't know what they were thinking with amiibo festival it's like a a long wild goose chase to find a reason to further monetize animal crossing but, but sort none of, of forgetting that very few people actually give a Cheater. about the characters in Animal Crossing. Yeah. <laughs> Besides maybe Tom Nook. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of a kind of a funky move. Nintendo released a free demo of Metroid Prime Blast Ball on the 3DS eShop. Speaking of games people don't care about, uh, I don't know if either of you guys have been playing it, but they also released some promotional footage for Federation Force on YouTube. So there are 15 minutes of new footage now available in which we learn that Samus's role in the Federation Force is an assistant character who gathers intel about the enemy forces uh, for your Federation team. 
So I did download the demo of Blast Ball, and it's exactly the same as it was when we played it at E3, like yep. two, no, a year and a half ago, almost. Yep. And so I, um, we're, I don't feel like we need to talk about that. But um, <laughs> as for Samus, after Other M, you'd think that they would stop shoving Samus in this role where she's just a supporter for the Federation, because it seemed like that was something that people didn't like about Other M. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't think her role as someone who helps the Federation is what people didn't like. I think it was specifically that she was so, like, subservient and, well, you know, couldn't really do... Like, I think the sounds of it seems like this is more like she's helping you out than, like, oppressed by the Federation. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, she's, like, doing your grunt work. I mean, based on I, I, I get that in universe, the idea that she gathers intel makes sense because that's sort of what you're doing in most of the mainline games. Yeah, but it just doesn't it just doesn't feed well, well into I this concept. I mean, it was a little concept. more than just intel. Like in the earlier games, Samus was essentially sent into Zebus to clear it out single handedly because they didn't want a full on war between the Federation and the Space Pirates, and so they just kind of sent her in on almost like a suicide mission. You know, let's see if she can do it because if not, we're going to war. Whereas in this one, there it sounds like they're already at war, at least sort of in conflict, and then at some point during the conflict, the Federation calls in Samus and is like, "Hey, why don't you go?" sneak around and find out about this ultimate weapon we've been hearing about. Yeah, I mean, I think she can be put in different roles in the game without it Mm -hmm. really, you know, affecting her character too greatly. And we don't know how much she's going to be in the game or how pivotal her role will be. You know, we've seen some screenshots, but we we really don't know how big of a factor she'll be or if it'll just be, you know, a nice little cameo in some some lines of text. I mean, if she's like a Navi character, that would be really annoying. But (laughs) Yeah, and that's kind of... That would be a disaster, but... We'll see how it goes. That's kind of how I'm reacting to this, is that that sounds more like that and less like you cross paths with her and she shares info with you at one point or another. And that would be a respectful way to use the character because she'd still be acting kind of as a loner, but still helping you out. I mean, yes. Yeah. We don't know that that's not the case. Yeah, we're not. Um, we're not sure. It's just I'm just kind of reacting to the. Uh, yeah. Fingers crossed. Sure. sure. Aonuma says Nintendo's been telling him he should make a new IP, although they also tell him that he should make more Zelda games, so he's not sure what he'll do, but he teased that he does love the idea of a game where you live as a thief. And he also added after that that that's all he can say for now, so it sounds like this thief game is already being worked on. Yeah, well, at least conceptually. Yeah, yeah, at least at least conceptually. Yeah. Um, so I think this is interesting just because Onuma's been saying for years now that he wants to make a new IP, and it's usually followed by, but I'm too busy with Zelda. But this is the first time we've actually heard that Nintendo is actively encouraging him to make one. And then, you mm-hmm. know, like you said, he was very quick to point out, like, I can't say anymore, I'm going to shut up now, I'm going to stop talking. So <laughs> that implies that Nintendo at least has something in mind that they're, you know, worried about other people stealing if he blabs. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and his de- his development division is one of the very, very, very few that only focuses on one franchise, and so yeah, yeah he 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 definitely is ready, I think, to take on something else. Yeah, and then also the last two main series Zelda games have been uh, directed by Fujibayashi, and he also did uh, several of the handheld games as well. So I kind of feel like just as Miyamoto groomed uh, Ijeo Numa to take over the series, maybe he's doing the same thing for Fujibayashi. Yeah, I was going to say, and uh, I'd be interested too to see how the development team, I mean, it sounds like they're really focusing on the younger developers and collaborating a lot more than they are a single person um, 
sort of guiding the vision. So I'd be really interested to see the way that that whole team takes on uh, what they've done with Breath of the Wild and brings it forward into the future while Aonuma um, works on a new IP, maybe with another team, maybe with some people from the Breath of the Wild team. Um, yeah, And, yeah, you know, absolutely. maybe we'll get a new IP that's a little bit more like traditional Zelda games that people can, you know, still fall in love with and we don't lose that sort of um, little bit more formulaic structure. Um, or alternatively, more like sort of the offbeat Zelda games like Wind Waker or, or maybe even Skyward yeah. Sword, although probably to a, a lesser extent. I mean, I, I was including, though. I meant like Ocarina through Skyward Sword, the home console games. But yeah, yeah. sure. Onuma also said that Breath of the Wild's delays were partly due to his own mismanagement. The lesson he learned is that with a game this big, you need to be as specific about what works and why as you are about what doesn't. He also said the 2014 trailer became the basis for the whole game, quote, as he saw the action in there, it opened up an immense rabbit hole of new ideas and actions that he wanted to implement, uh, either inspired directly by the trailer or later on in the creative process. And that part really stuck out to me because didn't he say a while ago that the 2014 footage was all done in real time in the game? Or was that just the end? Yeah, I, I actually looked up that quote when I was kind of reading through your notes because I, I was yeah, kind I of tried unsure to find about it. I that. Couldn't. He posted something on Miiverse in 2014 oh, thanks. where he, he said, uh, you know, this was all gameplay on the Wii U. Huh. <laughs> I wonder if they... Maybe the elements we saw in that trailer weren't, like the Guardians, for example, maybe they weren't as prominent. And then the, what we yeah. ended up with, with all these Guardians everywhere in the opening area, is sort of an outgrowth of, of how well-received that trailer was. Right. I don't know. Right. Yeah, that's entirely We'll never possible, know. Especially yeah. considering that, you know, the game was delayed and, you know, he's talked several times about how they, you know, changed things up during the development. So I could definitely yeah. see maybe uh, after seeing the reaction that the game got at E3, uh, Onuma and his team going, okay, let's put Guardians everywhere, yeah. let's do that whole slow down the time thing, we're shooting bomb arrows, it's gonna be great. Cool. <laughs> um, Sonic's 25th anniversary party was held very recently, and Sega made two big announcements, so we'll take them one by one. First is a new game called Sonic Mania, a 2D Sonic game primarily inspired by the classic Genesis games. It's got good old retro graphics, playable Tails and Knuckles. Uh, weirdly, it's only coming to PS4, Xbox One, and PC, not NX or Wii U or anything, but uh, Renegade Kid is interested in porting it to Nintendo 3DS. Can we not talk for like two seconds about how terrible that stream was, though? Oh my god! I <laughs> oh, am fortunate man. enough to have not watched the stream. The, the saddest Just part the about all the audio cutting in and out and everything that was not working at all is that whenever they tried to pump the crowd up, there were like three people cheering. Yeah. And it started like an hour late. Oh, forgot about oh, that really? one, yeah. Yep. Jeez. Yeah, it was a disaster. But anyway, Sonic Mania. <laughs> now that I've derailed us. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I kind of find it hard to get excited about new Sonic games anymore. Yeah. But I will say that, you know, I've always liked 2D Sonic way better than 3D. And just on the, the limited footage we've seen, it looks like a, a pretty decent 2D Sonic experience. So yeah. uh, I'll, I'll consider picking it up as we get a little closer and we see a little more. Um, so for those of you who don't know, the guy, one of the chief guys who's making this made... Uh, sort of approached Sega years ago to to ask if he could remaster the original Sonic games. I think it was for mobile, but I don't remember for sure. And they basically gave him the go-ahead. So this is like a hobbyist who is, who's making this game. Uh, this is his first, like, legit... Mm -hmm. Uh, original Sonic project uh, that's official um, before it was just uh, remakes. Which is a really cool move by Sega, let's just say. Yeah. Um, 
Sega's always been kind of weird about how they approach Sonic. But um, so it, in many ways, what I saw in the trailer looked really great from a like effects and 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 graphics standpoint. But at the same time, it, I can't help feeling that it looks a lot like a ROM hack. Mm. Do you guys agree? Um, a little bit. Um, I thought it looked visually a little better than than Genesis games. Like it had a little bit more flair in a way that I couldn't quite describe. But I'm also not, you know, like really deeply familiar with with uh, the Sonic series, at least the 2D games. Some of you listeners might know this, but it very felt very much like the before the sequel and after the sequel uh, PC ROM hacks uh, that are that sort of bookend uh, Sonic 2. Anyway, um, what I was going to say was I think it's interesting that it's not coming to NX. A lot of people have been saying that that's probably because the team that's working on this is so small and so sort of scrappy and that maybe mm-hmm. they haven't earned their NX development kit yet. And mm-hmm. that's kind yeah. of the theory that I'm running with. I think it'll probably come to NX eventually, but they're just not yeah, I can't ready imagine to make it, wouldn't, it. Honestly, this, this yeah. kind of game, like it's certainly not an issue that it can't run. Yeah. And yeah. plus, you know, the Sonic uh, director or producer or something recently said that, you know, Sonic is really super duper attached to Nintendo consoles, and that's where Sonic always does the best. That's, you know, the closest brand tie, so there's no way it's not going to come. Yeah. So the other one is called Project Sonic 2017, a new game by the Generations team that stars modern Sonic and classic Sonic once again teaming up to take on a great threat. It's coming to PS4, Xbox One, PC, and Nintendo's NX, but it's not coming to Wii U. And given that this time is the 25th anniversary, whereas Generations was for the 20th, I'm willing to bet that modern Sonic and classic Sonic is, like, just the beginning in some way or another. Like, there's going to be classic and modern Tails and Knuckles, or, like, Dreamcast-era Sonic joins up, or something like that that ties the whole of the franchise together beyond just, you know, the least recent and most recent iterations of Sonic. Needs more Big the Cat. I would love that, yeah. <laughs> Can we get some fishing mini games in here? <laughs> so, obviously, we've seen, you know, absolutely nothing of actual gameplay for this. Right. Um, but I am sort of optimistic just based on the fact that it's made by the Sonic Generations team, because I thought that was a pretty good game. Um, my my brother had the uh, the console-slash-PC version of it, and I actually had the uh, the handheld version, which played a lot more like a traditional 2D Sonic. And I thought both versions were pretty enjoyable. So, um I'm cautiously optimistic to see what they what they bring to the table with this. Uh-huh. I personally wasn't too positive on Generations. Um, yeah, me neither. I'll read a tweet that I saw today that pretty much sums up my thoughts. Uh, it's from a guy named Nick Robinson. He oh, my says, God. I, was, I saw that. I love that says, guy. He says, Sonic Generations <laughs> is good the same way a tall glass of pee-pee is good to a man who's been walking in the <laughs> desert nonstop for 15 years. And that's pretty much how you I feel. You said I'll bring up a tweet, Alex, and I was really, really hoping that it was that tweet in particular. <laughs> it's that tweet. I'm amazed that yeah. – it's exactly how yeah. I felt about it, and I didn't. I didn't like play the whole thing. I only played like the PS3 demo, but it felt very watered down, and and that's yeah. I, I imagine that continues through the whole game. Yeah, I played like 30, 40 minutes of it, and didn't really want to continue. So I don't know. So I'm way more excited about Sonic Mania, obviously. Yeah, I'm also mm-hmm. more excited about. But Sonic Mania. excitement might be the wrong word. All right, well, uh, exciting things ahead, because we are going to go to Fortune Street. I don't know what the hell that transition was, but welcome to Fortune Street, everybody. This is a segment where we discuss recent updates from the more businessy side of Nintendo, from their financial status to sales data, various tech projects, and stuff like that. 
So the real big story on Fortune Street today is the whole wild ride of Pokemon Go, so we'll try to organize it a little bit, you know, piece by piece here. Um, this app is unbelievably successful. It's hit at least 50 million downloads on Android devices alone, 75 million in total, and it's the top grossing iOS app in the UK, Japan, and every other country it's launched in. Uh, it's had more first week downloads than any app ever, more daily users than Candy Crush Saga, and more people in the US have been using Pokemon Go recently than Twitter, Netflix, or Spotify. It's made at least $35 million in revenue so far, and it may become the first mobile game to make $4 billion per year. It took up over half of the world's mobile market recently. And if that's not enough, businesses all over are jumping on the train. Snapchat opened up a Pokemon Go Live story. Yelp added a filter for businesses with Pokestops nearby. T-Mobile is giving players a year of unlimited free data. And McDonald's is sponsoring the game in Japan, turning thousands of restaurant locations into Pokestops and gyms. And that's not all nuts, because GameStop stores with nearby Pokestops actually doubled their sales last week. And not only that, but they were selling tons of Pokemon merch and, and even Pokemon games. So that sort of oh, yeah, reinforces sure. Nintendo's sort of statements that their mobile games are designed to draw people back to their traditional games. Neantics mobile so games? So that's, well, <laughs> their brands, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a Nintendo no one, adjacent. No one cares if, if, Ninta if Nintendo's it. investors can't figure out the difference, like, oh my God. of course, the, the GameStop adjacent Pokemon. The Go only reason won't. any human being playing Pokemon Go will know it's from Niantic is just because of the load screen taking yeah. forever when you boot up the app. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'll also. It, it's funny to me because I would always see these Pokemon Go advertisement things on like social media, and I'm always like, a lot of this stuff looks like it could have been photoshopped. But I actually went to Las Vegas over the weekend, and on the way at the uh, state line between uh, California and Nevada, one of the casinos there was advertising that they had a Pokestop and Pokemon Gym. They should have renamed it a Game Corner. They missed a huge opportunity. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Fine. I'll take my business idea elsewhere. Anyway, all this popularity, and they haven't even added Gen 2 or Legendary Pokemon yet. Yeah. That's yeah. pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, Pokemon Go also did all kinds of good for Nintendo's stock. They recently had the biggest stock trading day of any Japanese company in the last century, and their stock value more than doubled, surpassing even Sony's market cap. Of course, the bubble did burst, and their stock started trending down again, and when Nintendo released a statement to investors that they're not making enough of Pokemon Go's revenue to change their yearly financial forecast, their stock began to really tumble. Uh, analyst David Gibson thinks Nintendo makes just about 10% of Pokemon Go's profits, so that's a sour taste for unaware investors. So there are two things that really bug me about how quickly that bubble burst, and the first of them is that... Nintendo said when they released the forecast initially that they were including mobile games in their forecast. Mm -hmm. So for mm -hmm. investors not to understand that their forecast already accounted for what they were thinking was going to happen with mobile games is just insane to me. But, of course, how many investors really pay that close attention? They I was going to say, right. people like behave rationally in your world? Well, <laughs> like a year ago, there was that investor who stood up in a shareholder meeting and was like, I don't care about video games, but yeah. tell me how you're going to make money. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, remember, these are not, like, crazy, well-informed, decisive people. This is, you know. They just react to news. I know that's a thing. Um, yeah. And that sort of deflates my second point, too. But the other thing that I was thinking was, I totally thought the, like, massive uh, stock value hike was because people were optimistic about Nintendo's other mobile games and not just Pokemon Go. 
because I'm sure none of them are going to do as well as Pokemon Go, but they're not going to be slouches either. Right. Um, Especially we'll Animal Crossing. And so all of them I mean, added together are probably going to do like wonders for Nintendo's balance sheet yes, over time. Hopefully. Yeah. So I thought that would be a reason, but I, I guess it's all them thinking that Nintendo's going to make bank off Pokemon Go. So, uh. Well, that said, their stock is still up like close to 60%, 50-something percent, I think, since before Pokemon Go came out. Yeah. It's yeah. just not at yeah. that double spot that it was before. Right. So, I mean, there's you know, always I a think, bubble, and you know, even when the good right. things are still good, it's going to end up higher than it was when it started. I still think there yeah. are a lot of investors who who bought Nintendo stock because they realized that this you know, Pokemon Go success means maybe the Animal Crossing game will be successful, maybe the Fire Emblem game. Yeah. But it, that was probably a smaller number than the people that just bought up stock before they realized what they were doing. Right. Yeah. I'm hearing a lot of reports that people were cashing out, too, so that probably has something to do with it. Yes. Yeah. That's it for Fortune Street, so let's go to the Gossip Stone. Here we are with the Gossip Stone, where we discuss the latest updates from the old rumor mill. After each one, we're going to go around and weigh in with our final verdicts, whether we think the rumors are true or trubbish. We'll start off light here before we hit the NX story. There's a rumor going around... Spoilers. They already know. There's a rumor going around that Mega Man's getting a new game based on the upcoming cartoon series, which stems from an anonymous tipster to the Mega Man network. The game will launch on all platforms with high-def visuals, but will play much more like a traditional 2D platforming Mega Man game. About a year ago, Capcom hired a new producer for the Mega Man series, uh, and it was right about the time that they first announced the cartoon was happening. So I don't think any more really needs to be said there. I think this is true. Yeah, I also think it's true. When they brought on that producer, like you said, and then they, they, they first teased the live... Or not live action, I'm sorry. They first teased the show, and then we didn't hear anything about it for months and months and months. And when they finally right. teased it again, they were really pushing the idea that they wanted this out by 2017 in time for the Mega Man uh, 25th anniversary. 30th, I believe. Uh, they, so they, they really wanted this, this, uh, this new show out in time for the anniversary. And I think you're going to see the same thing with the game, where they're going to sort of try to relaunch the Mega Man brand... In, in its 30th anniversary with this combination of a, a show and a game. Much like Sonic Boom did, but hopefully a lot more successfully. I was going to say, yeah. I think this is true, and I think the show is going to do way better for Capcom than the game will. Mm. That's all i got to say. Well, I mean, we see what the show's art direction looks like. Maybe the game will do a lot better. We'll see. Yes, but the game, based on the show, will have the same art style as the show. Well, but may- maybe Capcom's art directors are a lot more competent for the Mega Man series than the Man of Action art directors, for example. Maybe. And and by competent, I don't you know mean that to be reductive. I just mean, you know, maybe they'll produce a game with more visual flair than um, what we've already described to be kind of the generic anime kids show. This is all assuming that Capcom's handling this game internally. But, yeah. Well, Capcom hired the producer, but yeah. The big story! Eurogamer has published a report about Nintendo's NX, announcing that it is a portable-focused hybrid console with detachable controllers, it uses cartridges, and tons more news. So, let's get a handle on this here. The main unit is a portable gaming device with two controller attachments, one on each side. It comes with a docking station that connects to the TV to create a home console gaming experience when you dock the portable there, and you can take the controller attachments off then to use them on the couch. It runs on a Nintendo-made OS and uses NVIDIA Tegra X1 chip, or at least the dev kits do, and it won't be backwards compatible with Wii U, 3DS, or presumably any other system. 
although the Wall Street Journal added that it will be compatible with Nintendo's mobile games. Finally, Eurogamer said Nintendo plans to unveil NX in September, and they plan to have a marketing campaign with the simple message that you can now play your games both at home and on the go. Now, to be clear here, this is a report, not a rumor. Uh, there's a very big difference, so don't get the two confused. But Eurogamer is a very esteemed publication, so I'm sure none of us have any trouble calling true on all counts here. Yeah, seeing how Eurogamer is reporting it, IGN is saying they've heard the same thing, Kotaku is saying they've heard uh, secondhand rumors that say the same thing, uh, MCV UK is saying the same thing, Wall Street Journal is saying the same thing. It's all pointing at legitimate sources that are saying this is true, not just random no-name Nintendo fan sites. Like us! Yes, like Ooh. this podcast. <laughs> So I'm I'm definitely going to throw my hat in the... Uh, yeah, I also the believe this is Same true. here. And because we said it's true, it's it? going to be true, right? Yeah, yeah. right. We know everything. <laughs> Even if it wasn't, we've changed the future now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so what do we think of this? So my first reaction was, didn't Satoru Iwata say there wasn't going to be a hybrid? But then <laughs> I went back and reread his statements, and that's not really what he said. Because what he really said was, oh... Just because we're unifying our development division doesn't necessarily mean we're working on only one device. And maybe this isn't the only device. Maybe there are more devices, and this is just the first one they're releasing. Maybe. Right. We, we heard that family of systems line a lot. Yeah. And he also said, I'm not sure if we'll only need one machine. Maybe we'll need more machines. Depends on demand. And this would clearly be the one machine that maybe they're starting with, and maybe there will be more. So... Uh, it was a big surprise at first, but uh, when I went back and reread what was actually said, you know, a few years ago, it seems like this should have been really obvious in hindsight. I mean, I wasn't surprised to hear any of this. This lines up with just about everything we've been saying, you know, about NX reports in the last year plus. Um, handheld console hybrid, like it uses cartridges, like it's going to be. Yeah, I mean, so I kind of feel like I just don't really have any more to say about it at this point. <laughs> Well, I guess my biggest question is going to be uh, how they distribute and sell this, as in, uh, can you buy the handheld component separately from the home console component, or vice versa? Can you get a special bundle if you buy them both? Because we've seen Nintendo filed a patent for uh, a a dock that boosts the power of a handheld device, essentially. Um, so if that's what they're going with, or if, or, or, you know, we could have a, uh, a standalone handheld component and then maybe you buy the dock separately if you want to play it on your home console, or maybe you can buy them together. I'm not really sure what they're, they're going to do with this. And that could be kind of key because, you know, we, we saw branding problems and confusion with Wii U and people not being sure what it was or if it was just an attachment for Wii. So if they're going to be releasing multiple different products or even just, uh, a you know, a product that comes in two different pieces or, or whatever. I think they got to be really careful about how they market it and how they price it. So I think that uh, if they've got this one simple marketing message that you can play your games both at home and on the go, I don't think they would be selling them separately um, mm-hmm. because that would just confuse the message. And I think that's what Iwata was talking about when he said, you know, maybe down the line we'll figure out how to do like different devices, you know, if there's enough demand, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but this is already a console with so many different moving parts to it. Um, no pun really intended. It's kind of just literal. <laughs> um, that It's going to confuse consumers a lot, I think, unless they really hit that message out of the park. And it's, it's made and built in a way that really makes a lot of intuitive sense for people to use. Um, like, 
motion controls was kind of a weird thing to wrap your head around but when you see the way that the Wii remote is designed and you can add the nunchuck attachment like everything that they did uh made that experience really ergonomic really effective really simple and smart if they can do the same kind of thing with this wacky setup then i think it will be a really really huge hit but if they can't and it's just kind of confounding how these pieces all fit together and you put the controllers on the screen but then put the screen in the dock and then take the controllers off the screen and then but then you've got a kickstand on this the screen is the thing that you play on but you can play on the tv like right you know there's a lot to deal with for people who don't really know what they're doing with video games so I guess my concern is if it's only sold as a, a complete package of handheld and docked together, that it's it might be a little pricey because you know Nintendo doesn't really have much of a console market anymore. Obviously, with Wii U is is selling as poorly as it as it has, uh, but they still have a pretty good handheld market. But handhelds have to be affordable. So uh, sort of comparable devices that use this Nvidia Tega X1 chip are around two hundred dollars. I I don't know what a ton about it, but that's my understanding is that a lot of devices that use similar technology are around $200. And if the dock then boosts the power and has like its own GPU, then, you know, I'm I'm just kind of wondering how much this thing is going to cost. But at the same time, uh, a couple months ago, we heard the rumor that it was going to use the NVIDIA Tegra X1 chip. This isn't the first time we've heard it. This is just the most, you know, reliable and confident source we've heard on it. And then in that initial report, we were told that NVIDIA tried to get a deal with Sony, got shut down, tried to get a deal with Microsoft and were shut down, and that basically uh, higher-ups in the company told the team that was trying to break into the console market, get a deal with Nintendo or go home. And that, in turn, they cut Nintendo a really good deal to give them these chips at a really affordable price. So hopefully Nintendo can you know sell this as a complete package and also still have it be affordable to the average customer, especially if, if, if there's not going to be a defined handheld and console separate markets for them anymore, if it's all one. You know, I'm a little worried that they could end up losing some of their handheld gamers instead of, you know, gaining sort of extra console gamers if this thing is is priced not competitively. Yeah, that's one of the big issues. But I have heard stuff from, like, I think it was MVC. I've seen a lot on Twitter, you know, people talking about, like, this thing is actually going to be priced a lot cheaper than you might expect. So Yeah, and that could be due to that, again, to that sort of that deal they cut. I'm not too worried, but I, you know, I, I think that if they undercut themselves, they're going to have some big trouble. Right. I'm not too worried about price just because, uh, you know, looking at what we've been saying about other NVIDIA Tegra X1 devices being around $200 um, and looking at how even with the, just those devices, without any extra power, they're able to achieve uh, significantly better performance than uh, Xbox One and PS3, which is about we use more powerful than those, but but only in, uh, to an extent. Um, so it shouldn't be difficult for them to achieve better performance than Wii U, even without any extra uh, bells mm-hmm. and whistles in the dock. Um, what I think they might be able to do to pull off uh, making the console performance extra good is uh, having the Tegra chip run in a low power mode in uh, the, when it's in handheld mode, but then when it's connected to a power source, start to run at a, a higher clock rate. Um, that would allow them to do that without having the separate processor box and still kind of scale between the handheld performance and the console performance yeah. uh, without adding a lot sense. of price. So I think that that might be their way of getting around having this really expensive setup, and I'm hoping that's what they do. Yeah. And then one last thing that we've sort of seen speculated about, although I 
don't think this will be the case, is that uh, NVIDIA is also already, they've announced that they have the Tegra X2 on the way, but they haven't announced any products that are going to be using it, and they haven't really announced what its performance is or what its price is going to be. They said, hey, we're making this thing, and that's that's about it. So uh, I've seen some people speculating that the reason that they're being so hush-hush about it is that the dev kits are using the X1, but that when NX actually comes out, it'll have the NVIDIA Tegra X2 chip in it, which would make mm-hmm. it substantially beefier. But I, like I, like you said, we've we've uh, we've heard that it's not going to be particularly expensive, and Nintendo has said that they don't plan to sell it for a loss. And Nintendo has admitted that they priced Wii U and 3DS too high, so I I don't see them going for the the beefier chip. I think they'll stick to the the chip that's going to give them better performance than Wii U while still also being cheap. I mean, it depends what kind of deal they can right. get. Because uh, if Nvidia really is desperate for a console win. You know they might they might still get a good deal even on the X2. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know with Project Scorpio and PlayStation Neo on the way, like Nintendo's got a lot you know of power competitors to keep an eye on, and if they really take off in a way that NX can't even come close to keeping up with, um, you know Nintendo's going to be in some deep Cheater. again. So I don't know. I could see it going either way, really. Now I'm kind of interested in the detachable controllers thing. Because in my brain, it's like the two control pieces on the Wii U gamepad, and they just come off of the screen. Mm -hmm. And looking at kind of the way Breath of the Wild introduces its interface to you, you usually will only see that piece. You don't see the screen uh, if you look at the the button prompts. So it it feels to me like that's how these controllers are going to be in terms of uh, the number of inputs that will be on them. Yeah, that sounds about right. But I'm curious how that works if you have two different people playing each with one of those detachable controllers um you mean we don't know you mean with one of the flanks one for each person or each person has their own controller like a full controller yes what do you mean yeah that was i i gave you two options oh sorry you cut out a little bit bit. it's okay we're we're really it's really late here um when when you say two people with with a controller, do you mean one person with each flank, or do you mean two people with two full controllers, each with all the inputs? I mean one person with each flank. I don't think that would happen. Why would they do that? Because then it can support two players out of the box, which is something that I think is sort of necessary for this to sell. But like each flank wouldn't have like you know all the face buttons and all like each flank wouldn't have all the inputs. Well, neither neither did the Wii remote. And that didn't seem to cause them any problems. Uh, I mean, but, you know, either side of the gamepad doesn't even have all the inputs of a Wii remote. Uh, Depends. Like, I I think they'd have to design the games in a way, because all the Wii remote games were designed to be played with one hand. All of NX's games are going to be designed to be played with both flanks at the same time. I don't think that that's going to, I don't think that that's going to happen. I think they're going to sell other controllers for player two. Well, that's why I'm kind of curious what form they're going to take, because... It's possible that they could take a form where it's basically a stick or a, a circle pad, and then you know there's enough inputs on the front of it that there's at least four face buttons and then two triggers right. on each half. That's um, possible. Yeah, that is possible. I don't know how likely it is. Um, I think more likely they're just going to sell these player two controllers as like you know a pro controller, for example. I think they'll do that too, to be sure. But mm. um, yeah. I've heard from Eurogamer that they'll allow you to use multiplayer with just the detachable controllers. 
we, we've seen a lot of patents recently for various touchscreen technology, so I think we kind of all already assumed that NX will probably have a touchscreen, um, and none of these reports really technically confirmed that, but with the Wall Street Journal saying that it'll be compatible with Nintendo mobile games, that almost yeah. seems like it has to be a lock at that point. So I think we can probably safely assume that this is a touchscreen, too. And a multi-touchscreen. Oh, yeah. I would hope so. That's a good so. point, because yeah. Wii U was not... Right. Yeah, that's that's what that really says to me, because none of these things indicated at all that there was a touchscreen there. Um, but if it's compatible with the mobile games, there's, you know, it's got to be a touchscreen and it's got to be a multi-touchscreen, because mm-hmm. otherwise, you know, in theory, at least, the mobile games shouldn't work. Unless they mean compatible, like, that it can connect yeah, to Yeah, I don't necessarily think that it means you can play the mobile games on NX, although that will probably be true for some of the games. Like Mitomo, for example, I could see them having a version of Mitomo on NX, and they'll call it Tamodachi Life. Yeah, that's what they should do. I agree, <laughs> but um, but it won't be the same as the the mobile version of Mitomo. I, I wouldn't think, just because that seems right. so dependent on being able to access the services pretty much anywhere you are, like most social media apps today. And then unless you know NX has a cellular service connection, which I kind of hope it doesn't, because that's an extra cost that people don't need. Um, I don't really see games like that working. Yeah. Well, something like Pokemon Go wouldn't work for sure, but, you know, stuff like Mitomo, you can always connect to Wi-Fi, and it wouldn't be a problem. All right, so that sounds like about it, right? That's a wrap on NX. So, all right. I had one more thing. Oh, go go ahead. One more thing is... No, too late. We moved on. (laughs) So Nintendo said that they're being cautious about VR, But when I think about the VR experience that most of the VR producers are putting out, a lot of them have a screen that you put in a headset and two controller units that you hold in each hand. Hmm. Does that sound like something that NX could do if they added a headset and more processing power? Uh, If they maybe released like a more powerful dock later on, um, if that's that's kind of what they're thinking about with more form factors and stuff, yeah, that's, that's feasible. Okay, just curious if I was the only one who had made that connection. Um, yeah, I hadn't really thought about it, but it seems at least possible, if not plausible. Yeah, I think you're the only one who made the connection, but not the only one who sees it now. <laughs> Yay! Woo! Yeah, I don't know that that means they'll release it in the next couple of years, but at least it's possible. Right, right. All right, well, we're going to take it to the lightning round. <laughs> And now we've arrived at the beloved lightning round where we bring you little nuggets of information from the past week. If you want to read more about any of these stories or any of the ones we discussed earlier, you can check them out at gamnesia.com. The latest podcast episode will show up in the scrolling feature bar at the top of the site, and on that page you'll see all these links. Alright, so first up, recent releases and stuff that is now available for you. On Wii U, Bomb's Adventure, Pokemon Ranger, and Kirby Mass Attack are now available on the virtual console, while Kirby's Epic Yarn is available on the eShop. On 3DS, Monster Hunter Generations is available now in North America and Europe alongside its special edition. 3DS XL, Final Fight, and Kirby's Dream Course are now available in the new 3DS Virtual Console, and the free demo of Metroid Prime Blast Ball is available now. Pokemon Go is now available in Germany, France, Canada, the UK, Japan, Hong Kong, and 26 more countries. Then we've got a bunch of upcoming dates for you to look out for. July 31st, the Pikachu-themed Pokémon controller launches. August 1st is your first day to get Arceus via Mystery Gift at GameStop. August 1st is also when more news about Pokémon Sun and Moon is coming, and also next month's Koro Koro is showing off Alola's Southern Island. August 6th, the impressive fan-made Metroid 2 remake launches. Yes. August 19th, Metroid Prime Federation Force launches in North America. Guess which one I'm more excited for. 
Federation Force? <laughs> Guess again. We've never made this joke before. <laughs> September, the Pokemon Go Plus wristband launches. It, uh, it has been delayed. Then finally, a rundown of all the smaller things that happened since last time. Team Marie reigned victorious in the final Splatfest, and Splatoon's victory bonuses got a big increase. All hail the goddess. <laughs> Someone discovered an American prototype for the Nintendo 64 DD. Yokai Watch 3 launched in Japan, dominating the sales charts for a series that's now sold over 10 million units in there, in Japan. So, it, it debuted at number one super easily, but it only sold half as many copies as Yokai Watch 2 did at launch. And I, I kind of wonder, is the series just sort of losing its luster, or yep. is it not performing as well in Japan because the third game is all about America? And if that was a gamble on Level 5's part to try to make the series popular in America, you know, even if it cost them a few Japanese fans. Uh, I don't know if we can answer that. <laughs> yeah, just some musings. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and an indie developer explained why Nintendo's cross-buy is so terrible for developers. Sega is relaunching their own throwback console, a mini Genesis with a cart slot and 80 games. Uh, before you get too excited, this is by At Games, who made the pretty crappy previous version of this, which had fewer games and terrible sound issues. So hopefully those are fixed, and uh, I'd wait on that till you find out more. The next Layton game is called Lady Layton, and it stars Lady Layton. Pokemon Global Link is ending for Gen 6 games in October. There's a new Pokemon movie featuring the Sun and Moon starters in coming in 2017. Nordic Games is remastering the original Darksiders game for Wii U, PS4, and Xbox One. They're calling it the War Mastered Edition, which is a, a pretty great, uh, ridiculous <laughs> name. Uh, <laughs> like it. Monster Hunter Generations is receiving free DLC every month, and its Star Fox DLC is coming west. And Square Enix is not considering bringing Final Fantasy XV to NX. Rumor Squash. Which is pretty good, because it probably wouldn't run on NX. Ah, uh, Okay. Uh, the Wii U and 3DS eShops are holding big sales on Sonic games in North America this week, and prices are skyrocketing online for the Pokemon Go Plus wristband. I feel like that should stop now, because the, the long delay, I think, is so that uh, they can make sure they have enough stock, because Pokemon yeah. Go is obviously way more popular than it was expected to be, and so I think they just want to make sure that you know it's not going to be sold out everywhere and people aren't going to be pissed off that they can't find one. So yeah. hopefully that should end the scalping as well. Yep. Pokemon's Johto region is getting its own Monopoly game. You can 3D print your own Pokedex battery case for playing Pokemon Go. Nintendo released two custom pieces of Splatoon box art to celebrate the final Splatfest. The Kickstarter for the gorgeous NES art book is back up and fully funded. The special steelbook edition of Pokemon Sun and Moon is coming to US and Canada. Goron City from Ocarina of Time has been gorgeously recreated in Unreal Engine 4. Fans are remaking the DOS Mega Man games as if they were classic NES games. Smash Bros. Legacy XP is a new brawl mod with 10 new characters in over 700 stages. Fans started Team Harmony, a Lugia-led alliance between the three teams in Pokemon Go. The modder who added Waluigi to Smash Bros. has now added him to Project M. A new study shows playing Mario Kart can make you a better driver in real life, and Japan is opening an adorable line of Kirby-themed cafes with adorable Kirby-themed food. Uh, and then, there's so much going on for Pokemon Go this week, it's got its own little thing in the lightning round here. Pokemon Go has an awful three-step glitch that kind of ruins the entire game, but there is a site that lets you see where all nearby Pokemon are. In a fun uh, six degrees of separation sort of moment for me, the company that makes the mapping technology that this site is built on is the company that I work for. Yay! Hey! Nice. Uh, Pokemon Go will now get new updates every two weeks. 
Remember when Nintendo said they were going to treat their mobile games like a service and just keep making them better and better over time, and then Mitomo like didn't do that at all. <laughs> Hopefully, Pokemon and then Go Pokemon actually Go will is stick getting to that. worse over time. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I hope that Niantic does a much better job of keeping people interested in Pokemon Go week after yeah. week after week with good updates. Yeah. Niantic is considering adding Pokemon Centers. Pokemon Go's setting page suggests you can play in VR with Google Cardboard. You can choose how your EV evolves in Pokemon Go. Niantic did confirm it. Some Pokemon can only be found in certain continents in Pokemon Go. Niantic revealed the game's team leaders. Microsoft's CEO said that Pokemon Go would be a killer app for HoloLens, and there is an unofficial demo that shows how that could look. And a data miner found a ton of extra info on Pokemon Go, so you can check that out at Gamnesia. So everybody, thank you all so much for listening. This is the end of Nintendo week for today. Uh, looks like you got a little bonus much longer than 30-minute episode, so yay. Um, if you like this podcast, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or subscribe to us on YouTube at Gamnesia TV for bite-sized discussions from the show. And please head to iTunes to leave us a review. We are really working hard to make this show great for you guys, so those iTunes reviews really mean a lot, and they also help a lot of listeners discover the show. So if you haven't done that, please do. It's greatly appreciated. Uh, if you have feedback for Nintendo Week, please send it to Colin at Gamnesia.com, or you can find me on Twitter at Colin McIsaac. That's C-O-L-I-N at G-A-M-N-E-S-I-A, or at C-O-L-I-N-M-C-I-S-A-A-C. And remember to send in your questions about Nintendo, about our show. We love engaging with you guys, and we read them and talk about them here on the show, so it's a great way to get involved. Again, that's Colin at Gamnesia.com and at Colin McIsaac. And Alex, where can they find you? You can also find me on Twitter at Legend of Lex, where I throw truth bombs and retweet, retweet silly things like that uh, Sonic dig. (laughs) And Ben, where can they find you now? Yeah, I actually occasionally tweet now. I feel dirty. It's weird. Uh, (laughs) I'm on Twitter at Aramgard, E-R-I-M-G-A-R-D. If you can't wait till next week for more of our stuff, you can head to Gamnesia.com to see more gaming news as it happens. Sony, Microsoft, Indie, you name it, and Nintendo news that we didn't have the time to discuss on this week's show. And you can join the Facebook group, Nintendo Week Fun Club, to chat with us and other listeners about all things Nintendo. On our way out, please enjoy a gorgeous arrangement of Pokemon Go's map theme, made by Mario V... I can't pronounce it. Uh, go find it on YouTube. Uh, great arrangement, so good channel worth checking out. Thank you all so much for listening, and we hope you have another great week. probably also stop using a potty mouth since i have like three children in my apartment right now (laughs) (laughs) whoops